There we go. All right, we're going to jump right into the message. We're kind of mixing the order of service up with you a little bit. Um, so we're jumping right in today to the call to prayer. Uh, as I said last week, as we begin to uh, step a little further into this process called revision, uh, I would remind you that over the next several months, we encourage all of you to pray for your church perhaps like you never have before. We encourage you to perhaps look at your church like you never have before so that our church might become all that God desires for it to be in this season. Last week, I invited us to let our minds wander for just a moment about how different things are than they were in 1981 when this church started. I made the statement that every decade has seen dramatic societal, cultural, economic, and demographic shifts. Every decade has seen significant changes in the ministry of caring community. And over the next couple of months, I'll probably be unpacking some of those changes just to to give us a point of reflection. Um, We we had a a discussion uh, at the LBA meeting uh, just talking about finances and just reflecting back to a year when our annual income was less than we typically bring in on a week. Uh, Reflecting back to a time when it was a lengthy board process to decide whether to buy a case of paper or just a ream of paper. Um, It's a different environment and it's a different world today. But more importantly than what has been and even what is, is every indication is that the next decade will also see significant and rapid changes in the world around us as well as within this local church. This process called revision is about all of us being intentional about investing some focused attention and energy trying to get a glimpse of God's vision for the next season in the life of caring community and then collectively leaning into the process of making that vision a reality. Many years ago, our church did a study. Uh, it was written by a man named Henry Blackaby called Experiencing God. And one of the takeaways, there were several that continued to find their way into the fabric of who we are. But one of the takeaways was this phrase about challenging churches to say, where is God moving and how can we join him? Now, many of us love to see God involved in the things in which we are involved. But in our natural human egocentric view, we have a great capacity to decide what we think should be done and ask God to join us. It is a much different process for us to say, what is God doing and how can we join him? Ideally, those two come together, but it takes some intentionality. If it is our goal to say, where is God moving and how can we join him? Then there is no resource at our disposal that is more important than prayer. Among many other things, prayer is essential in developing a closer relationship with God. Prayer is crucial as a means of two-way communication. Again, prayer is not just hey, God, here's my shopping list, go to it. It is a matter of 
God, here's what I'm thinking, here's what I'm feeling, and allowing God through his Holy Spirit to speak back to us. Prayer gives us access to both the heart of God and the authority of God. Prayer demonstrates our reliance upon God. I wish I could tell you. No, I don't, because it's embarrassing. I will simply say, over the course of my journey and my personal walk with God, there have been way, way too many times where I have exhausted and exasperated myself trying to find a solution to the challenges I faced before I said, oh, by the way, God, would you help me figure this out? Prayer is one of those things that says, God, there is no way I can figure this out without you. Um, Sometimes God just likes to show off and humble me by showing an amazing way in which he figured something out that I couldn't. And it's like every time it's like... Why didn't I start here? Prayer can drive the spiritual vitality or temperature of an individual or a group of individuals or an entire congregation or an entire community. Simply said, there's no better way to know where God is moving and to join him than through prayer. One person puts it this way. When it comes to prayer, the church is educated beyond our experience. Our information lacks application. Oh, my goodness. Somebody's getting up in our face. Educated beyond our experience, our information lacks application. They continued by saying, prayer doesn't need our preaching. Okay, Steve, sit down and be quiet. Uh, Prayer doesn't need our preaching. Prayer needs our practice. I'll leave that there. To follow up on that thought, I would say that regardless of your level of spiritual experience, regardless of whether you only pray on rare occasions and in extreme emergencies or when there's no way of avoiding it, or whether you have deep calluses on your knees because you spend so much time before God in prayer. Regardless of your level of spiritual experience, when it comes to prayer, there are two things that are probably true. There is more you could learn about the principles and practice of prayer. And there is more you could do with the principles and practice of prayer. And I just want us to begin to grapple with that a bit as a people. The history of revival within God's church, dating all the way back to the New Testament. Those times when God showed up and just dramatically brought deep, sweeping change. Almost all, if not all, of those experiences, those times in history suggests that the effectiveness of our revision process and the probability of our experiencing fruitful ministry in the next decade are both tied to how we respond to the call to prayer. You simply, and trust me, I've read about revival. 
you simply don't read about revival or renewal or broad sweeping spiritual change without encountering on some level focused, sustained prayer. So, let's return. Last week I talked about a tale of two letters. And uh, let's return to letter number one. For those of you that were here, when all was well. This church at Ephesus, a place called Ephesus, got two letters. The first letter was when all was well. And we're going to go back to that letter today. A couple things that we can note from Paul's letter to the Ephesians with regard to prayer. The first, Paul gives us uh, the example. The example of prayer. There are two of my personal all-time favorite New Testament prayers in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. One of them, Paul is modeling for us or showing us an example that we should tell people we're praying for them. And again, some of you have had the experience where you're dealing with something and, and you're really dealing with it. And someone who you respect on a spiritual level, someone who cares for you deeply, comes up to you and just calmly looks you in the face and says, I'm praying for you. And you know the sense of encouragement you get from that. Nothing has changed yet. But yet they say, I'm praying for you. And you just sense something's different. I've told you numerous times, for those of you that have been around for years, the church we came from in Battle Creek to start this church, there was a little bitty elderly lady. She seemed old then. She might have been really young by my standards today. I don't know. But but she was the church treasurer. She was just a quiet, soft-spoken woman. But I don't know why, but everybody knew that they knew that she prayed. And I, I remember after we moved here to start the, the work, we, we went back. We still worshipped over there for a few months after we moved to Albion until we started services here. And I remember her coming up to me after service. No hoopla, no fanfare, no come up to the altar and we'll have a hallelujah moment and pray for them. She just quietly came up to me after service, just put her hand on me and just said, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And it was like my world changed. It was like, maybe we are going to survive this. Maybe this wasn't the worst decision I've ever made in my life. And so when I say the importance of telling people that you're praying for them, you never know what that's going to mean. Now, let me just add a side side note here. Don't say it if you're not going to do it, all right? What that woman said to me mattered because I knew I knew she was going to be on her knees or on her face before God covering what I was attempting to do. So, but telling people that you're praying for them and then tell people what you're praying for them. 
Sometimes it's helpful for somebody to say specifically, here's what I'm praying. So again, I'm gonna, this is going to take incredible restraint because we're gonna look at these prayers and I could preach a series of messages on each of these prayers, but I don't have time for that and that's not my purpose today. I'm gonna try to read these prayers and invite you to absorb the intensity of what they say and I'm gonna try really hard to restrain myself from commentary. All right, here we go. Uh, 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 uh. A prayer for revelation. In Ephesians chapter 1, starting with verse 15, Paul says, now again, this is someone they, (laughs) there's the commentary. This is someone that they know loves them and cares for them deeply. And he writes them this letter and he says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Friends, how could you receive a letter like that from someone you care who cares for you and not begin to feel, oh, yeah. Verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Say amen, somebody. Uh, verse 19, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he extended when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Wow. The example to realize we have been invited to pray for one another in that kind of way. You may not have all those words, but friends, you do have a heart and you do have people you care about. What an opportunity to speak to them and to speak into their lives. A prayer for transformation, Ephesians chapter 3 Starting with verse 14, Paul says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. That, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever. Amen. Wow. You want to learn how to pray? Take a look at some of the prayers in Scripture and say, oh, now I get it. So the example was clear. What about the expectation? We just read it, and the expectation when it comes to prayer 
Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Wow. When I read that, friends, I, that was kind of one of those come to Jesus moments. And it was, what do I expect when I pray? What do I expect when I pray? Do I expect him to do immeasurably more than I could ask or imagine? Sometimes I think maybe I'm hoping, not praying. What do we expect God to do in and through Caring Community Church when we pray? As I said, sometimes, especially over the past few months, God has just decided to, you know, show off and rub my face in it from time to time. And not too long ago, there's a situation that one of our daughters was facing, and and it was keeping us awake at night, and it was making us miserable in the daytime. And I wanted to fix it because that's what dads do, but I couldn't fix it because I just didn't have the ability or the means. And she was desperate. I was desperate. And we just dangled there in our desperation. Until one day, just out of nowhere, somebody just stepped in and said, I can fix that. And they did. And it was, it was just, I, I didn't even know how to respond. Some of you know that Diana and I are rarely speechless. We were both speechless. Sometimes he does immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And, and I just, this is me preaching to the preacher. I just have to say, I've read the Bible. I've read history. I have a history of personal experience with God showing off. So why does it always surprise me? The expectation. And then there's the exhortation. The direction with regard to prayer. Pray. Ephesians 6.18 is part of a larger section where Paul is talking about going into spiritual battle. He gives us an elaborate uh, imagery of putting on armor like you're going to fight a fight. But he's talking about a spiritual fight. And since it is a spiritual battle, the armor is of little worth without a vital connection to the only one who has the resources to win spiritual battles. I I got nothing for you there. But God can, does, will win spiritual battles. And prayer is the way we develop and maintain that vital connection. Ephesians 6.18, the first part says... And, I mean, again, he's talked about putting on all the armor and you're, and you're ready to go. And then Paul says, pray in the Spirit. Friends, 
I don't know what your battles are. I don't even know what the battles for our church are. But I'm reminded that we are not in the battle alone. This pray in the Spirit is heartfelt prayer in connection with, in partnership, under the guidance of the very Spirit of God. As I said earlier, this pray in the Spirit is not, God, here's my grocery list of wants and needs. Go fix it. This is, God, we're in a battle here. And I know that I know I can't win this battle without you. So let's you and I go get it. And pray in the Spirit. After you deal with all the armor stuff, pray in the Spirit. On all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. Pervasive, all-encompassing on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. God, let's get this. Then, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Focused, determined, persistently leaning into God and say, God, just can't do this without you. But oh, we can with you. You may not say it, but I suspect oftentimes when I'm done talking, you're saying, well, what now? So I'll say it for you. What now? Pray. To which you all say, well, duh. <laughs> You've just been talking to us about prayer. Of course you're saying that. But I would say, yeah, yeah, pray. But I want to suggest a specific request. In the New Testament, as we read about Jesus' life, we read that there were 12 men who traveled extensively with Jesus for roughly three years. We call them the disciples. We call them the apostles. These men ate with Jesus. They walked with Jesus. They served with Jesus. They learned from him. They watched him. Now wrap your heads around this, folks. They literally watched him walk on water. They saw him heal people. They saw him miraculously feed 5,000 people with a little kid's sack lunch. They watched him turn water into wine. They saw him cast out demons with just a spoken word. They saw him calm a raging sea by just saying, enough. They saw him encourage people of all ages. They saw him give powerful messages to thousands of people. And they saw him pause and invite street children up on his lap. And they even watched him raise the dead. But there was just one time where they said, wow, that was cool. 
Teach me how to do that. Now just think about all they saw. And there was just one time they said, Wow, that was awesome. Teach me that. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, this is just my wacky worldview. But it makes me scratch my head. What, what did they see? What did they feel as they saw him, as they observed him? Maybe they even knelt with him. But what was it that made them say, Wow, Jesus, teach me how to do that. Lord, teach us to pray. So the what now? I just invite you to just say, Lord, teach me to pray. Lord, teach me to pray. Join me in attitude of prayer. Father, what a simple thought. Lord, teach me to pray. Father, I don't know. I, I, I don't have a clue what you might do in our individual lives. I don't know what you might do in our congregation. But I just wonder, Father, what would happen if one by one we each began to say, Lord, teach me how to pray. Some of us I know, Lord, we, we already pray. But we also know there's more, and there's more, and there's more. So, Father, uh, not because I suggested it, but because your spirit is stirring in people's hearts. It is my prayer that all across this room and as people listen to this online, people would pause for just a moment and say, Lord, I don't even know what it means, but but I'm, I'm inviting you. Teach me how to pray. Lord, I understand that it won't look like anybody else's journey, but teach me how to pray. Father, teach me how to pray in a fashion that leads me to seek your heart and not just have my wishes and hopes and dreams fulfilled. Teach me how to pray in a fashion that allows me individually and allows us collectively to see where you're moving and join you there. So, Father, for myself, Lord, teach me how to pray. And, Father, for everyone else who's praying this in their heart, I know that I know it's a prayer you desire to answer. So I look forward to hearing how it's, that prayer is being answered in the lives of us. We thank you. And it is in the name of your Son and our Savior we ask these things. Amen.